How's everybody doing out there tonight? Out there fighting the safety war, I'm sure. Exciting week this week, huh? With the snowstorm. We're still recovering from it uh, over in Buffalo, out in the week in the Midwest. Um, a lot of, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of follow-up stuff with what went wrong and everything else out there. But I can assure you that a lot went right, too. Right? Could have been a lot worse. All right, now we're all ready to go here. So what I wanted to do was revisit. I wanted to talk about two, we'll call it a tale of two accident investigations here. All right, like a tale of two cities. But what's uh, my point here? We have the old way of doing things and the new way of doing things. A lot of the organizations that I work with, real simple, they ain't never gonna change. Right? They're never going to change. They're still going to be on the old way of doing things, being very antagonistic, alienating the employee, blaming the employee for everything, for an incident. And often what happens is you find out sometime later the employee is never to blame, did not blame. No, something happened. Sometimes the employee is to blame. But we'll talk about two near misses and one accident, a full-blown injury that we had to investigate. One of the, uh, on the one where they're on the old page, the old way of doing things, they still, I wasn't managing it, but but the, uh, Someone else had to manage it, but I, you know, I had to be involved reviewing plans and things of that nature and managing the person doing it. And they're on the old way of doing things. And I don't, like I said, I don't think they're ever going to change. So this is the incident. A person got there, got injured at work. All right. They got hurt. Uh, Minor injury, not, not important what the injury is. It's totally irrelevant what the injury was on here. The other were near misses, right? So let's talk about this. It goes into what's an OSHA recordable and what's a near miss. How do we investigate them and how we investigate them is essentially the same. An investigation is an investigation is an investigation, Right? The fact that someone got hurt, and, you know, uh, I know Todd Conklin does not like that word, hurt, because hurt is very non-exact. It's not an exact thing. A, uh, or you can be hurt. An organization could be hurt many, many different ways. It could be financial. It could be cultural. It could be uh, an employee getting hurt. So you have injuries, right? And you ha people are injured. What's more important is what led up to that. What was the context of what was going on with that? What exactly uh, everything else? 
So we'll start with number one. Person gets injured on the site. You have, and again, you and a lot of organizations they say, well, was it a is it a first state case? Is it OSHA recordable? And as we know, and we're, we're not going to go into reporting criteria in depth, but real simple. Uh, first state case is pretty relatively right, re- relatively uh, easy to define, right? It's everything that's not a recordable. So it could be evaluation. That's an OSHA recordable. It could be, uh, uh, no, not uh, right. It's an evaluation. You're getting checked out. That would be along the lines of first aid. It could be a band aid. It could be things not needing a per- medical prescription, an RX, right? It could be, uh, uh, no, things like that where a recordable is where you need a prescription. Uh, if there's an eye injury and you use a pair of tweezers, it's a recordable. You use a Q-tip, it's a non-recordable. Uh, you could use, uh, and no, if you pass out or faint, that's recordable. If you don't pass out, it's non-recordable. It could be a heat stress, that's uh, first aid. But if they give you an IV with fluids, that's now a recordable and everything else, everything's now. And what's reportable, right? Yeah, that means that if you're actually going out and you're gonna, you have to report it to OSHA, or now. So a fatality is obvious, but an overnight hospital stay, stay amputation, something like that, you gotta pick up the phone, dial one eight hundred three two one OSHA. That's generally it. So, I mean, there's whole case, whole courses on this, and if you need uh, need one of them, give us a call. Eight four five two six nine five seven seven two. So right. Uh, so what happens is, you know, first aid case under the old regime of doing things. Okay, first aid case. Let's get rid of it. We're going to make everything a first aid case. And certain companies, like a big warehouse and distribution company, got into big trouble recently doing that. You can look it up on the Ocean website. And so what happens? If you're familiar with Star Trek, there's one of the episode on the Next Generation. Uh, what was the name of it? It was do do do. Hold on, I got it. Memory Alpha here. I went like I said. I got in late. We had some Chain of Command, Part One and Part Two, right? Uh, so. What happens is the lead, one of the lead character, Captain Picard. I know there's not a star. I should do a Star Trek safety uh, thing here with all Star Trek anecdotes. But anyway, uh, Captain Picard gets caught, right? Gets is being held captive by the Carda- Car- Cardassian, not the Kardashians, Cardassian, right? With that hard S, and. Uh, he's being tortured, and uh, someone and the torturer says, "How many lights do you see?" He says, "I see four lights." So no, there's five, and he tortures them more. And this is uh, going back and forth, back and forth. Then by the end of the episode, Captain Picard does see five lights. But wh- what's my point? This is how a lot of accident investigations go. We have what are uh, acceptable things are we going to blame the employee we're not going to worry about the employee's input we're not going to worry about uh what really happened we got to tow the company line and i think most safety people have had to do that if you've been in this long enough uh, back in the day right now i refuse to do it 
outright refused to, I, you know, now I get a phone call for an accident investigation. It's like, well, how exactly uh, you want a root cause analysis? Yeah, yeah, we want a root cause. That's the basis. We got to get to the root cause. Oh, and by the way, the root cause is always the employee. Well, you know what? I'm not your person for that. If you want to find out what the what actually happened, how we re- prevent injuries you, and everything else, we're not going to go around blaming people. They, I, no, I'm not saying HR. There is no HR because, you know, people do stuff. No, you want to find out, get to the bottom of this thing, improve your organization and all of that stuff. I'm your person. If you want someone to fill out a one pager, now you, you know, that ain't me, right? So first injury is we uh, go into the, uh, when the person gets injured and the client is, well, what happened? Why did this happen? And we actually have to fill out the five whys what they call. Now, as we all know, when we go away to accident investigation school, they talk about, well, getting root cause analysis, getting to the five whys, and it's more of an investigative technique, right? And, but this client wanted the five whys, right? And the person paying for this. And okay, because it's in their system, they got to have the five whys. Okay, and the root cause, and we come down with some root causes, and I said, okay, now you got to go find, do the five whys. And what do you get? Uh, Jim, Jim, can you do the five whys? No, that's your job to do the five whys. It's our policy that the contractor who had the injury does the five whys on this form. And yeah, but I don't want to do the five whys. What, why, why don't you want to do the five whys? Well, and we, we know what the answer is here. It's you're antagonizing the employee. This is an opportunity that a lot of companies use the root cause analysis to antagonize the employee and you can make it go any way you want. Let's face it. You could make this go any way you want. You don't need a Vulcan logic, Mr. Spock from Star Trek to figure that out because logic, right? Often what organizations do because they're trying to deflect liability away from themselves, is that they use this and to blame somebody else. All right, so here we have the person was not wearing cut-resistant gloves. Why wasn't he wearing cut-resistant gloves? Employees stated that the gloves he was issued were had impeded uh, doing, uh, were impeding the, doing the job. Okay. Why were they an impediment? The gloves were too bulky. Well, why didn't we do we wear bulky gloves? Well, it turns out this is, what, this is what I got. The employee did not do a proper assessment. And the employee did not follow procedures to this work. Oh, okay. And I said, well, did you train the uh, employee on doing a job hazard assessment? Uh, 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 oh, oh. Now, this is Jimmy asking the questions now versus this employer and employee. Well, did you train the person on doing a job hazard analysis, or job assessment, or whatever? No. Well, yeah, he basically, I said, well, I tell you what, he has to have somebody handhold him every day for this. And you don't give him a computer or a printer or even forms to do it. I, and 
my person in the field ends up having to do this with him every day. So you didn't train him on this. You don't do this. You don't give him the right equipment, you don't, uh, or anything else. I said, why, why isn't that on there? When the supervisor wasn't supervising him, the supervisor didn't do oh, because why? I'll tell you why. Oh, well, we, that's not what we do it. That's not the way we do it. The employee is responsible for the assessment. Oh, okay, great. So what kind of procedures do you have? Uh, there are no procedures. We don't have anything really written down as to how you do this. So I said, okay. So, okay, well, okay, well, that's fine. All right, all right, all right. Let's see your next why. Now we're up to three whys if you're counting. The super, right? Uh, he said, well, uh, now we get into it. Uh, the supervision was not available to supervise, and we couldn't supervise them. Oh, okay. Well, what about this? How many times has the employee done this with a supervisor around? Oh, he's been doing this job for nine years. Okay, nine years. Never had a supervisor around. Oh, yeah, we did. I said, so did the supervisor say that this was okay or tell him about the rule or maybe train him? Oh, you know, you know, come on, come on. You know, and then it comes up to the fifth why. Well, Jim, we never had a problem like this before. Well, I understand you never had a problem like this before. But, uh, you know, you had a problem this time. And, you know, the root cause was what? Well, he wasn't doing his job right. He didn't know what the hell he was doing, Jim. You don't get it. I said, well... Maybe this could also be that maybe this, you know, he needs a little bit more supervision or you need to, I said, what kind of training does this guy have? Oh, on the job training. I said, you ever send him to any type of training class, awareness level, like an OSHA 30, OSHA 10, something like that outreach. No, no, no. We don't have time for that. We got to make money. Okay. Now, do you see where this is going, where you're faulting, the employee on everything. He wasn't wearing cut-resistant gloves. And now let's see. Let's see the five whys again, all right? He wasn't wearing uh, cut-resistant gloves, all right? The issue, the gloves that you, and you had to supply gloves, according to OSHA, Mr. Employee, employer, right? He wasn't wearing the right gloves for this job. okay. And he was wearing gloves that were bulky, yeah? That gloves that you supplied him, yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, what, where are you going on this? I said, okay, so did you give him any training on this? Do you have training records? Do you have anything like that that goes with this? Uh, yeah. Okay, okay, so you don't have written procedures, but do you have, like, uh, you, you know, you have a problem right now that, no, why do why 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 do we have to go every day and do the job hazard analysis with this guy? Well, you know that ain't his job. He's not a safety guy. I said, okay. Well, why doesn't your safety professional help him with this every day? Over the phone, maybe ahead of time, give him a little bit of coaching. I mean, he, he, no, he's is one of your lead people. You know why? Or, oh, well, I you know. Okay, so there were no procedures. No, no, oh. And then you get to the end, and what was the same conclusion? Well, we never had a problem with this before. We've done this lots. So I said, well, human error has a tendency of catching up with you eventually. Right? 
And I said, I'm based, uh, no, and based on this whole thing, one, you won't have the employee talk to the person paying for this, our team, right? He's unavailable, right? Uh, you're, uh, he's unavailable. So we can't find out all the details. They're relying on your report. Uh, you're not doing, and the report is that he's at fault and he's a dumbass versus the supervision was never in here. And you can see the company not wanting it to go this way, the subcontractor, the guy who worked for the company got hurt. So what have we done here? And this is how the conversation goes because we have to fill out the paperwork with the five whys on here. We have now antagonized the guy and pissed the guy off. Do you really think that's going to be a good way of conducting an accident investigation or an incident investigation or mishap, whatever we're calling them, antagonizing people all the time? We have to antagonize the person. And that, why, why are you antagonizing? Why don't we just find out what's going on here? Versus, right, and we got the thing done and... And everything, but now everybody's pissed off. Everyone's in a pissy mood. The uh, safety professional has lost all credibility. The person most likely will not go to the next job and will still place himself or herself at risk. Nobody learns anything. Nobody improves anything. And we just pay a uh, workers' comp. Blah blah blah. Right. And then they, and, but they won't, now this is uh, what Brett Sutton's uh, podcast guest a uh, uh, couple of weeks ago went in here, went into here, right? Uh, what was her name? Rosa, hold on. Uh, I got it right here written down. Rosa, she it was a phenomenal. I'm going to tell everybody, go over to the Brett Sutton uh, podcast uh, from a couple of weeks ago. Hold on, it was December 14th, practice of learning teams. I'm sorry, everybody, I, go, I do this. Rosa Antonia Carrillo, phenomenal podcast she put on here uh, with him. It was an interview. She's doing a, uh, she's coming out with a book uh, in a couple of weeks. Here, uh, my understanding, phenomenal, uh, she had a phenomenal podcast on uh, do do on right. What was it about? Uh, this was my comment. It was on uh, a talk with Diana Achan and Rosa Antonio Carrillo to gain some signs into her new book titled Safety Leadership Strategies. My review was the episode is phenomenal and manages to articulate and describe the exact challenges that many safety professionals face. This is one of the episodes I will bark, bookmark and listen to again. It's about leadership and understanding where safety is in the uh, not understanding where safety is in the organization and describe many of the problems you face. This is one of the problems is that we're forced when your organization is on the old way of blame and now shame and blaming people. Right? This is what happens. They'd and her observation was very apropos they'd rather pay a consultant or an insurance company several thousand dollars 
rather than the employee and spending some time with the employee and how to plan out your work and do your work and some supervision a little bit, a little bit of coaching, which will probably cost about the same amount of money to mitigate an accident like this. I tell you what, you get a lot more flies with honey than vinegar. And you're making these people swallow a lot of vinegar when you get into this antagonistic shit. All right. And when you're in, uh, when you're, uh, I'm sorry, but uh, very passionate about this, keep on antagonizing people. See what kind of uh, results you're going to get. And the thing is, so now you're a safety professional. You're brought in to do this. And uh, in this adversarial system here, you wonder why people are afraid to talk to you, to speak up about safety issues. It's because of this kind of stuff, right? And I was I, I, right up the front, I said to the guy, I said, dude, I, I'm, I'm not going to give you the same, but I'll call him dude. I said, dude, this is an adversarial system that they have set up that we have to work within. So if it seems like I'm being adversarial here, it's not unintentional by me, but I have to ask you these five whys. And by the way, this is put in as a disincentive about getting hurt, and it causes companies to cover up injuries and things of that nature is because companies make go through, go through this, right? That's the other thing you want accident covered up, put them, make an adversarial system out of it. So not, so here we have not wearing cut resistant gloves. And I said, no, why wasn't he wearing gloves? Well, he wasn't issued the right gloves. Okay. Why were, wasn't he issued the right gloves? Well, the gloves are too bulky. Okay, the gloves are too bulky. Why were the gloves too bulky? Well, you know, he didn't uh, do X, Y, and Z, blah, blah, blah. Not an assessment. Then I said, look, come on. You got to assess this stuff for your employees. Teach them. Coach them along on this. I said, because this injury is going to cost you, according to uh, safety pays on OSHA, about 12 grand in direct and indirect co uh, costs with this and the amount of time that you have to waste on this type of thing, you probably would have been better involved in training. All right. And we eventually got to the five whys without being antagonistic, but you could see where this right two approaches, one very antagonistic, one not antagonistic. And we got to the same location. It's all about attitude and how to work with people. But Again, this company was used to dealing with the old way of doing things where things were cover up, obfuscate, and, uh, you know, don't tell the truth. So you can understand why you're not getting the information. Second incident. All right. We had an incident very recently, and I said, you know, and they wanted an accident. It was a near miss. Doesn't matter what the near miss was. Irrelevant. Uh, and I said to, uh, well, we got to do an investigation. I said, we're not going to do, obviously, you want to call an investigation, you call an investigation. It's fine. But what we're going to do is we're going to assemble a learning team on this near miss. Well, and the lead organization that paying for this views a near miss and an accident in the same light. So let's face it. Uh, it's in the same light. They are just as serious. One is just as serious as the other. And, uh, you know, the, you know, it's just as much scrutiny. 
Now, a near miss equals a fatality. A real incident equals a fatality, whether it's a scratch, which no, which I'll take over fatality any day, right? <laughs> and er, because we've done those investigations. So we're going to develop, we're going to get a learning team together, and we're going to investigate. Well, what's a learning team? That sounds like it's just semantics. No, a learning team is we're going to talk to everybody, find out what happened. We're going to massage. No, we're going to do this on a, no, uh, on, no, on a Tuesday. We're going to start this. We're going to let people think about this, mull it over, and come up on Thursday with a solution. Well, I don't know about that, Jim. I said, no, no, trust me on this. This is we're gonna be what we're gonna do. So there was an incident on no on a one week, and then we started the investigation immediately on Tuesday. We sit down, okay, what exactly happened? And we talked to the foreman. Okay, this is what happened. Blah 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 blah. Okay, okay. This is what happened. Okay, now let's talk to the person that actually was involved. Okay, this is what happened. Okay, the story just jive a little bit. We're okay. We talked to the other guy, and we say, okay, well, this is what happened. What was the context? What was going on? What were you doing immediately before this? And we start talking over this. We're talking over uh, like normal human beings. I said, look, and the guy, the guy starts blaming. I said, look. You're not in trouble. We have to do this activity another 27 times on this construction project. This is the third time we're doing this. The first time we ever had a problem. I don't want to have this on another 27 times or 25 times, whatever it was. 25 or 27, depending on how you count. Because we're in the middle of some of it. Oh, well, this is... Uh, and and, this, and he had been involved in a couple of accidents before, before he started working this project over the years, been doing construction for the better part of 10 years. So he had boo-boos and he's seen, I said, let's just find out what happened. And then we talk, okay, and then it, I wait a day, okay, now let's talk about this. Did you think about it? How, was, okay, great, these are some of my ideas based on the information I have and everybody has a say in this. And, uh, you know, we go in and now they have, we go in with the project manager. It turns out what could have been the employee's fault. If you're looking for fault, you can find fault here. The employee, this did X, Y, and Z. This is what happened. X, Y, and Z, blah, 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 blah. All right. We could go and find that out. And blame the guy. And this is what everybody was expecting. But what did it turn out to? When everybody has a say here, and everybody has some kind of a contribution to make the investigation, if not the solution, maybe the investigation, right? And you don't want to have everybody necessarily, but like five to seven people max, right? That's really all that one person, me, can manage. It's five to seven people. That's what basically every, everyone, right? Basic. ICS, right, uh, technique or De Edward Deming technique, five to seven people, you go in there and you figure it out and you sit down, okay, all right. And it turns out, what do you think the turnout was on this? The turnout was that it wasn't the employee's fault. 
the job was set up incorrectly and there was a design issue with the way that the uh, equipment was designed. So now what do we do? Well, we could overcome that design by doing X, Y, and Z. What happened at the end of this? Right? So we had the whole, we implemented the accident things and we did, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to be changing the procedure a little bit. We're going to be, okay, we came up with some really good things. So at the end of this, and now the whole thing is over, it's our policy to poll the people who were there. Okay, how was the investigation handled or learning team handled? We got everything. We got the reports and everything that we needed to do. We came up with this. got everything done. Uh, Could we have handled this a little bit better? All right. What did, how would you improve the process? Oh, we pulled everybody on this at the end of this. And we were dealing with these people, two, uh, three very experienced people, and one new person who was involved in this near miss directly. And they said, we have never seen anything like this in our entire life, our entire working career. I'm not patting myself on the back. Nobody was adversarial. You listened to everybody that you, right? We went and we listened to everybody, what they wanted to do. We took, showed an interest in what they were doing, did a little bit of research, found out what some of the things could be here. And it found, and hey, we're going to change the way we're doing things. And this risk that we have, this situation, is going to be so remote. And basically what we ended up doing was rather than, no, and again, they were saying, well, the employee has got to try harder. I said, okay. I said to him, and I'll call him Frank. His name's not I said, okay, Frank, try harder. But I guess what? That's not going to prevent the next injury, the next accident. Trying harder. Of course, if you can, try harder, be a little, obviously. However, what we have to get to is from try harder to we're going to design this a little bit different and we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to put it in writing, and we're going to talk about it and everything else. Right now, everybody's on the same page. Nobody feels, at least from our perception, my perception, no one's antagonized. We built up some leadership with the folks. Everybody could walk away of these things as friends. And, every, you know, we're all good. Everything's all hunky-dory. That's what we want. And guess what? We did something, right, called we built capacity in the system because we threw in another safeguard in here, increased capacity and our resilience a little bit more here, our ability to adjust and everything else. And guess what? Now it's a safer job. Everybody's happy. The oversight person from the construction management firm Right, also highly qualified guy. He said, I've never seen anything like this. I said, well, why not? He says, well, this is not the way that the, that this organization does this. I said, "What? which organization? He said, and he said it was an organization you've all heard of. Right, that's not the way. That, I, he says, I don't know how they're going to take this. He said, however, this is the way that we got try to do things. With this, right? So now we gain, what did we do? We gained friends in the workforce, 
They're now seeing they've been through a process here. They know what it's going to be, at least when I'm involved in the investigation. We did a better investigation here. And probably with the other one, the first one, antagonizing everybody here, right? We could have easily went through this five wise thing and blamed the employee. Easy. This wasn't easy. This was would have been. And according to the people, right, in, uh, in the shame and blame crowd, it would have been a home run. But guess what? With the workforce, this was a home run. Because we're going to do things a little bit differently. We're going to be looking out for them. And eventually, it's going to be, right? We'll have other near misses and things. Eventually, it's going to be, wow, these guys are coming up with great things. This is a positive workforce. Someone in the main organization is going to take notice for that. And guess what? If they didn't take notice for it, then they didn't take notice for it. But at least... We know what we made that's safer, positive attitudes, and everything else. Now, the third one we're going to talk about is a human resources situation. Right? Where you could go through this whole thing, not blame the employee, but it's still per se, but it's still a human resources situation. All right? So we had a person who there was an issue with a decking. This was a near miss. And uh, the decking uh, needed to be uh, repaired. There was a near miss associated with it. And the person repaired it without basically without checking with anybody. And to test it out this decking to see if it was going to fall through or not, he started jumping on it. Right? Time out. Yeah. Hey, does this work? Hey, let's start jumping on it. It's sort of, you know. No. Well, what would have happened? Well, if it, if it didn't, wasn't adequate, he would have fallen through the decking. And probably has had a real serious injury. Right? Short, short-circuited everything. So we sit down with the employee. Why did you do that? Well, I was, you know, it had to be fixed, so I fixed it. Okay. There was a near-miss associated prior to this, and we were responding to the near-miss, and you just took it upon yourself to go and blah, blah, blah. I said, okay, first and foremost, all right, explain to me what your accident uh training was to do investigations because you're a person in charge of pick. So, well, oh, you know, I took the 30 hour class. I said, okay, 30 hour outreach. Yeah. I said, okay, you know, that's an awareness level training class. Well, and he, he comes from a community where there are a lot of these cards that are going around that are false from years ago. No falsified cards and everything else. I said, so, do you, did they talk about accident? Oh, a little bit. They talked about all different accidents. I said, did they talk about accident investigation, management? Yeah, okay. So you're a person in charge, and all you have is a 30-hour course and a couple of other, like, pickup courses. Yeah. Yes. Okay. What's a near miss? 
You know what a near miss is? I have no clue what a near miss is. I never heard of this thing. So it was, oh, okay. So the near miss is an almost accident. And there are basically two ways that you could go with this. Where there was, no, it's, a no, it's no accident, no incident, no damage, nothing like that. And under slightly, slightly different circumstances, there could be a major accident, right? Maybe I should have given that definition in the prior story. He says, okay. I said, and usually those come out like two different ways. One is human error, right? And it's always human error, but why are you getting a human error and you try to go through the whole thing? So in the previous story, the human error was things weren't designed right or things could have been designed better with taking this into thing. That was the human error in that, right? And we fixed it. With you, I said, what, or that's what you want, human error, we fix that. And you want to show a near miss can also be called failing safely or you have enough stuff going on there, enough protocol, uh, safeguards, enough procedures, everything else that when there's a failure, you're able to fail safely. Right? So he ends up going through here. No. And I said, the other thing is, is dumb luck. What do you think, right? It's dumb luck. What do you think uh, yours was? Resilience and capacity built into the system? Different safeguards? Or do you think it was dumb luck? He says, I said it was random chance uh, working in your favor that uh, not everything lined up that day. Because I tell you what, there's a good chance I would have fallen through from based on what we're doing. So you have no training or anything in here with near misses, good catches, whatever we're calling them, uh, safe failures, right? Because you have, you have no training in any of this. He says, no, nothing. I have nothing. Okay. So, you know, there was an incident. We were responding to the incident. Part of that is to do some type of an investigation, sometimes like what happened. And then when we address well, the area was barricaded, he knew not to go in there. And we know to address, so you don't know any uh, any of this. So how could you, so here's the next thing. How can you hold a man responsible uh, or a person responsible for what they don't know? Hmm? The person, in, somebody gave him this job to be in charge, but they didn't give him any of the training required for it. Then send him for supervisor training to learn how to supervise these jobs and tell him, put him through a training program on how to do accident investigations, how to do paper. How could you do all any of that? Now you go into the whole thing with, okay. And it turns out that we come to the same conclusion again. Right, we don't blame the. Is this this person's fault? On this, it's an HR issue. Is what this is. Ill-equipped employee or supervisor, person in charge, no resources, no training, 
know nothing. HR failed on this one. If you're going to blame anybody, it's the HR system because they don't have a system in place for managing this. And the HR people don't seem to place any value on this. And who does HR get their direction from is the C-suite. Now, again, the whole interview with the, with the person was obfuscation and he was afraid of getting blamed, afraid he was going to get fired and everything else. But what, no, how do we, how do we manage something like this? So how you manage something like this is now we had a near miss. We were identified problems with HR. We identified gaps in knowledge. We identified a whole bunch of other stuff. Now we're able to go and start putting together a remedial program in this whole thing. Now, some of the, this could have gone another way. Does the person have the aptitude to be a supervisor? How did the person get the job? How did he get on to doing this? Does he, did he actually want to be a person in charge? Did he say, holy shit, I'm getting $1 more an hour here. And now I'm, now, right? So this is why you do the, you know, you have the first one where you're very antagonistic. You have the second one where we're able to find out that it's not the worker, but it's the design of the system that got into and some procedures that were, are inadequate. So we're going to change the way we do things. Now we have a third example where the employee had no idea what was going on and he was a person in charge. Didn't know anything about investigations, nothing, or next to nothing, very basic rudimentary things. Now, we put him on a, on a training program. Does he have the aptitude to do that? That's on him. That's something we can't do. Does he have the attitude? Does he have the app? Any, anything like that. So this is why. And again, the, with uh, the second and third, we set up a learning team where we talked with the person, where was the problem, why did you do this, and everything else. The issue is not to fire or blame the guy. The guy can't be blamed for what he doesn't know. Right? If you don't know a rule, if you don't know a procedure, you're really going to blame the person for that? Really? But now we are able to go because we reported a near miss. We had a learning team involved. We talked it over. Now we know where to concentrate where our efforts are going to be um, with this. And if you're a consultant, now you just did what? You identified a program and you may be able to get more work out of it because now you realize that the organization has an issue and now they need some additional training, some additional coaching, additional things like that. Oh, and by the way, this was uh, for those people who feel that HOP, human organizational performance, doesn't work in the construction industry. I just proved you wrong, 100% wrong. And we're going to take a slight break here. In the professional safety community, communication and planning are just a few keys to your program's success. The question many practitioners have is, where do I start? Dr. Jay Allen, the creator of the Safety FM platform and host of the Rated R Safety Show, 
has built a global foundation to help you along the way. Go to safetyfm.com and listen to some of the industry's best and most involved professionals, including Blaine Hoffman with the Safety Pro, Sam Goodman with the Hop Nerd, Sheldon Primus with the Safety Consultant, Jim Pozell with Safety Wars, Emily Elrod with Unapologetically Bold, and many others. As individuals, we can do great things, but as a team, we become amazing. Dial into safetyfm.com today and surround yourself with a powerful force of knowledge and support. So we're going to go to a pre-recorded segment here from August 18th and 2021 about working with HR if you're a safety professional. And then I'm going to be back, right? Uh, We had a situation uh, arise in the last minute here. The following program is rated for mature audiences and may contain adult language, adult situations, and frank safety discussions. The names and certain details have been changed to protect the safe and the unsafe. But believe me, every item in here is true. This seems to be one of the ongoing issues in the podcast, my career, everyone's career. And what that is, is when do we get HR involved, human resources involved, today on Safety Wars? We battle this issue all the time. Hey, I want to go and I want to be someone's friend. I want to coach them. I want to be an effective manager in the field, whether I'm an outside consultant or I'm actually working for a company, I'm usually an outside consultant. And this is a really important thing. At what point do I get HR involved? This has to be planned out and in writing way ahead of time. How am I supposed to manage people? One of the things in my employment contracts, or if I'm working as a consultant in my regular company contract, is do I have the authority to hire, fire, or discipline anyone? Normally a safety professional does not have that authority to hire, fire, or discipline someone. That's in the HR department. So one of your questions up front has got to be, how do I handle non-compliance? How do I handle situations with employees? How do I do all this stuff? Often, you need to get HR involved when you're getting rid of someone. You have to have all your check marks. Otherwise, you're going to get whacked with a wrongful firing lawsuit. Never happened to me because I follow a certain set of rules and I let the client or my manager fire them versus, hey, safety guy, you just throw anybody off. That's something that you really don't want to do. For a couple of reasons. One, they're dumping their job onto you. It's not your job to fire anyone usually. And if it is your job to fire someone, make sure you get it in writing. If it's your job to discipline people, make sure you get it in writing every time. Human resources, they're not safety people. They may not understand safety. They may not understand, for example, the importance of wearing fall protection on a project, especially in the construction industry. It's one of the leading causes of fatalities and catastrophic incidents. So you have a guy or a person out there, hey, they're not wearing fall protection repeatedly. So you say, hey, look, I got to send you home. Make sure you get human resources involved. Make sure you get direction from human resources. Make sure you get pictures if you're allowed to take pictures of that violation, things of that nature. You'll go well, things will go well for you at that point, at least better than usual. The other thing is this, often companies will hire you because human resources is looking to build a file on someone. Human resources can't confront someone. A manager can't confront someone, can't manage their own people, anything like that. So you got to be aware of those types of situations. What's my thing is get everything in writing, how they want you to handle these things. I am not one who is quick to fire people. 
quick to throw people off the projects, things of that nature. So recently we had an issue with law protection. Person was not using it. And I said to uh, the person, I called them over, I had a law on video, and I said, look, what's the deal? Well, it was only for a second, or this and that. And so why don't you do X, Y, and Z? Well, I know that's having X, Y, and Z is the proper way of doing it, but my foreman did not supply me with any of that equipment like they were supposed to. So now, because the guy was non-confrontational, I was non-confrontational, we got the foreman involved. And I said, look, under any other circumstances, your guy here will be thrown off site. However, he didn't have the right equipment. The company did not supply the right equipment for him to work safely. The job wasn't set up and you were, as foreman, were in charge of setting up that job and also you're the designated competent person. So this is what I need you to do. How do you think, and then you incorporate, hey, how do you think we should do this safely with everything, with fall protection and everything else? Well, we gotta do this, this, and this. And I said, well, what's stopping you from doing this, this, and this? Well, what's stopping me is we're in a hurry this morning. We're under a deadline. We're under a tight deadline to get this job done. I said, well, can you take 15 minutes out, which will be basically what it will take to get the right equipment set up and everything. Can you take 15 minutes out and do this in a safer way, set up the job? He said, you know what? Uh, that's a better way of doing it. So what's the moral of the story? We all went on. We learned to manage people. We didn't jump down people's throats. We tried to figure out why they were working in that manner. Then we ended up getting the right equipment, the appropriate equipment, taking 15 minutes out to do the job correctly versus, hey, we're going to throw somebody off. Because this is what happens. You throw somebody off. Now you build animosity between you, the safety professional, and the workforce. Chances are management isn't going to back you up on that. I'm fortunate enough I have people who back me up. But let's face it, the average safety person isn't going to have anything going on uh, as far as support. Second thing is, is that you have to have, uh, you know, realize when you get rid of someone, now they have to bring someone on. Even if it's a union job, they're getting people off the quote unquote bench, right? Or for only a couple of days out of the union hall. Again, you have to run this person through an orientation program. If they never work with the company, there's a corporate culture they have to get acclimated to. Uh, all the things that go into hiring a new employee. And what ends up happening is you're going to lose time on that end. You do that enough times with critical enough people at critical times, critical points in the schedule, things of that nature, you're going to end up blowing budgets. And who's going to get the blame? It's not going to be the project manager unless you're dealing with a very mature company. It's going to be the safety person. Always gets the blame. And that's basically what it comes down to. So in summary, right, we've gone a while here. Number one, get everything in writing. How am I supposed to manage these situations? Uh, and that's number one. Number two, don't be so quick to fire someone, to throw someone off the job, jump down someone's throat. Try to ask the questions, why are we doing this? You may not get an answer that you like, but you'll get an answer. You don't want to build a wall between you and the workforce. You want to have some leadership. You want to show that you're looking out for them, helping the people out. That's how you're going to guarantee that you're still going to have a job, but it's also going to help you get to a safer workforce, safer work site, and everything else that goes along with it. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzel. So it's been a while since I listened to that. That was pretty good, if I might say so myself. And that's what it's all about. Getting along with people, helping people out, supplying some leadership there. Right? You have all this, you know, and I go look back at some of these old podcasts. I'm like, wow. Now I'm talking for the whole hour. And then it was like, I got to get everything done in 10 minutes. Uh, maybe 10 minutes is a thing I could do again with this. But that's basically how it all comes about here. You got to try to get along. It's called leadership with everything. We also have a leadership program, 845-269-5772 or gym at safetywords.com if you want to get a piece of that. Right.
And that's how you fight the safety war. What I call it's the attitudes. You're not fighting the workforce. You're fighting the attitudes. You're fighting the system in there. And as as, uh, the person who I mentioned earlier, uh, let me get her name right. Uh, Hold on. Rosario. Rosa Antonia Carrillo had said. When you're brought in as a third-party consultant, which on uh, the uh, when you're on the learning teams, right? The practice, the learning team with Brent Sutton, right? Uh, the phenomenal podcast I was on that show. Uh, when he, uh, what, what she said is, you're a third party. They're willing to one pay you more, right? And pay you more, and they're willing to listen to things that are uncomfortable a little bit more. So you got to make the thing, and uh, and the thing is, you're not gonna, you know, you're not gonna be uh, afraid of pissing people off so much, right? Because you're being getting paid a pretty pe- penny you normally if you price it right, and they're paying you for their your input. They're gonna listen to you before their own people. It's just human nature. It's human uh, psychology. Uh, that's something that I learned from uh, Dr. Jay Allen uh, when we were talking one-on-one. Uh, when I met him, uh, when we were uh, we met at a, a venue, uh, you know, is you're being paid money. They're going to listen to you more, and that's just the way it is. And you got to take advantage of that. The other thing is this, if you're dealing with a mature organization, whether the organization with mature managers, they're going to appreciate that a lot more. And uh, fighting that safety war, right? Not always about, it's not about getting in people's faces. One, having backbone. You have a system in place. You're fighting the system, the unsafe system. You're fighting for the worker, helping the worker out. You're fighting for the company, so it's more profitable. They're not, no, you're fighting against the aggravation of the old way of doing things. Where in our first example, we're all antagonistic, right? Some companies are not going to get out of that. But I, you know, the way I, one of the ways I manage that says when I'm forced to work in an adversarial situation is that I mention right up front, hey, this is an adversarial situation here. I don't, you know, this is what we have to do. And then guess what? Things are less adversarial because they realize you have a job to do and you're going to try to get to the bottom of it without being antagonistic. And that's how you're going to win that safety war that we're always talking about. So tomorrow's the last program of the year, the 30th. We're going to look back on... uh, 2022 and forward to 2023. And uh, I'm going to put a request on my LinkedIn. What are your predictions and safety for 2023? You can visit me at uh, Jim Pozel. That's J-I-M, right? Juliet Igloo or Juliet Indigo. And uh, what's them in the uh, phonetic alphabet? I forget. J-I-M, right? And how do you spell the last name? P-O-E-S-L, P as in Papa, O-E as in Echo, 
S as in Sierra, L, because I love you. Right? And uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Facebook. I'm on uh, Instagram. Just give me a look, and uh, I'll interact with me. So I'm looking forward to uh, tomorrow's program, and then uh, a nice weekend, right? So here we go. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system or transmitted in any any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.